You're listening to River City Mystery Podcast, the show that delves into the Evansville and surrounding tri-state area's many mysteries, including unsolved crimes, murders, and disappearances. A show that isn't afraid to jump down the rabbit hole to investigate reports of local hauntings, sightings of UFOs and cryptids, among other paranormal phenomena. With your host, co-founder of the Humans of Evansville Facebook page, law office worker by day, insomniac researcher of the bazaar by night, Matt Dyg. Welcome to the first episode of River City Mystery Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Hope you enjoy the show. Our first episode takes us to the west side of Mount Vernon, Indiana. Just outside of town, right off the highway, sits a little motel called the Four Seasons. It's easy to miss if you're flying down the highway there, but it's it's sat off the highway there for a long time, and it's run by Rodney Cox and his mother, Jean. Uh, Rodney and his mother actually run the motel today, and they also ran it together back in the fall of 1994, which is when our story begins. The motel business certainly has its challenges, as Rodney and Jean found out. Now, they were no strangers to dealing with issues that standard motel owners would deal with. Leaky toilets, guests losing their room keys, noise complaints, things of that nature. In the fall of 1994, Rodney and Jean began to hear familiar complaints coming from one particular room at the motel. At first, they kind of brushed it off as being odd, but guest after guest, night after night, came to them with similar complaints, and Rodney and Jean could no longer brush it off as being quirky or strange. They knew they had to deal with it. And this particular issue, they couldn't just call in a plumber or a roofer or uh, somebody from maintenance or housekeeping to, to deal with this. Rodney and Jean had to put their heads together and come up with a game plan on how to deal with this issue. So Rodney and Jean placed a phone call to the only person they knew who might be able to help. In the first episode of River City Mystery Podcast, you're going to learn why Rodney and Jean resorted to calling a preacher. Now, before we get into why the preacher was called to uh, deal with the issue at the motel, I need to back up a little bit and kind of set the stage and give some context into what was going on there. On September 2nd, 1994, about a month or so before the preacher had been called out to the motel, Jack Barnett was with his girlfriend, Terry Rideout, at American Legion Capperman Post 44 in Newburgh, Indiana. They had stopped by the post to grab a quick bite to eat before Terry's shift started that morning at 11 o'clock at Burger King on Main Street in Evansville. Now, as far as anyone could tell, um, everyone who was close to Jack and Terry said that they had a great relationship, and there was even talk that they were going to get married. They had been living together for the last three months at a home in Chandler, Indiana, and Jack and Terry enjoyed uh, going to Jack's uh, river camp. Uh, They both really enjoyed going down to the river and having fun down there, and that was kind of their thing that they did together. Terry loved the river so much, she named her dog River, and her dog often trailed her wherever she went, including to the river or pretty much anywhere. So it wasn't too unusual you'd find Jack, Terry, and River 
hanging out at the river camp. Now, I mentioned that Terry worked at Burger King, and she had that shift at uh, 11 o'clock that morning. She'd only been working there for about a month at this point, and according to her district manager, Connie Weinzapfel, she was doing a really good job, and she called her a very intelligent, responsible woman. So she was, you know, doing a good job there and nothing unusual. Uh, Jack Barnett was an employee at Sigaco, Southern Indiana Gas and Electric Company. And Jack was a an equipment operator for Sigaco. Now, Jack, Jack had had a, a rough couple of years. He was divorced about three years prior. He was married to Julie Waters. And um, they maintained at that point a, a friendly relationship. And they also had a uh, 13-year-old daughter together. Now, another reason that uh, Jack had had a rough couple of years was in September of 1990, he was charged with battery with a deadly weapon. He pled guilty on the charge and did avoid uh, serving serious jail time, but he did have to serve several years on probation. So that probationary period had just come to an end uh, at by this point. So from an observer's point of view, things seemed to be headed in the right direction for Terry and Jack. Now, Terry's car was uh, having some mechanical problems, so she was kind of relying on Jack to give her a ride. So about 10.30 that morning, they left the American Legion and started to head towards Burger King on Main Street in Evansville so that Terry could be at her 11 a.m. shift. They, um, she made it there on time and worked the entire shift, uh, 11 to 7. Around 7 o'clock, her manager asked her if she would... Uh, run the night deposit to Citizens National Bank, and she did that. So according to her co-workers, Terry had told them, uh, see you tomorrow, and she was in a good mood. And the last they saw was uh, Terry driving off in Jack's red pickup truck. A few days later, on September 6th, 1994, Jack was spotted at Don and Donna's Sports Bar in Newburgh, Indiana. Gail Chapman, a uh, an employee of Don and Donna's, who also happened to be a, a good friend of Terry's and also a former roommate of hers, had talked to the bartender who was working on September 6th and confirmed that uh, Jack was there by himself. But even though it was a little odd that uh, Jack was there by himself that day, according to the bartender, he wasn't acting strange or odd. He didn't He didn't mention anything about Terry or... Uh, why he was there by himself, so it didn't really raise any red flags with anyone. Three days later, on September 9th, 1994, Jack Barnett pulled into the parking lot of the Four Seasons Motel in Mount Vernon, Indiana. Jack had brought two items with him. One was the movie Falling Down, starring Michael Douglas. And two, his gun. Jack walked into the lobby of the motel and asked if they had any vacancies. They did. He purchased his room for the evening, signed off on the paperwork, grabbed his key, and headed down to his room. Jack walked down to his motel room, unlocked the door, walked in, making sure to have his two items with him, shut the door behind him, locked it, 
and also locked the security chain. At some point that evening, Jack walked up to the VCR in his room, inserted the VHS tape of the movie Falling Down, and watched the movie. If you're not familiar with the movie Falling Down, it uh, came out in 1993, which is about a year before um, this story takes place. It stars Michael Douglas, who's a uh, unemployed defense contractor who's divorced and just having a really bad day. He's stuck in traffic. I think it's in Los Angeles and just everything goes wrong and he he just he literally snaps so he uh basically <laughs> arms himself just parks his car on the freeway and then just kind of goes on a bit of a rampage against society in general um but basically it's a guy that just kind of snaps um who was kind of living a, a normal life no one suspected that he would have done this. And um, so that's that's the movie that Jack took with him. That's the movie. That's the last movie he watched that night. Falling down. When the movie ended, Jack walked over to the desk, sat down, grabbed a piece of paper and a pen, and wrote out a little note to his 13-year-old daughter. He said something along the lines of, Grow up to be a good girl, and I love you. Then Jack got up and walked across the room to grab the second item that he had brought with him. The gun. He grabbed it, opened his mouth, inserted the gun, and pulled the trigger. According to the death certificate, he died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound through the roof of the mouth. The next day, September 10th, 1994, hotel workers noticed that he still hadn't checked out of the motel as of 4.30, and there was a do not disturb sign hanging on his doorknob. So after trying to uh, knock on the door and wake him up, the hotel staff went to go get a key, and they were able to partially open the door But when they did, they saw that there was blood all over the floor, and they immediately called the sheriff. So the Posey County Sheriff at the time, Bill Cox, came out, and he says that uh, he's convinced that it was a suicide, that um, Jack did end his own life, uh, based on the fact that the motel door was locked from the inside with the chain. So no one else could uh, could have done that but Jack. Several days later, family and friends gathered to remember the life of Jack Barnett, but they weren't the only ones at Jack's funeral. Hidden in the back were investigators. They weren't investigating Jack's death. They were investigating the disappearance of Terry Rideout, Jack's girlfriend. Terry hadn't been seen since she left her shift at Burger King that night, September 2nd, 1994. The hope was that If she was okay, she would have attended Jack's funeral. That's what everybody said she would have done. But she didn't. She never showed up. As a matter of fact, she was never seen or heard from again.
Friends and acquaintances searched the house of Terry and Jack to look for clues as to what may have happened to Terry. The only unusual thing they found at the house was the fact that River, Terry's dog, was missing. It's believed that, most likely, Terry and River met similar fates. But we don't know, and we may never know. As of today, Teresa Rideout still remains a missing persons case in the state of Indiana. By now you're probably wondering how this ties in with the fact that a preacher was called in to deal with some issues at the motel about a month after Jack's death. Well, as it turns out, after Jack died, the room he was in became a bit of a hot spot for paranormal activity. At first, Rodney Cox and his mother Jean kind of laughed it off as being, you know, strange and probably coincidental. Guests were consistently saying that the TV was turning on by itself exactly at 10 p.m. every night. And Rodney got a little irritated, so he would he would go to the room and uh, fix the TV and, you know, jiggle the wires or whatever he was doing to appease the, the guests. And um, they'd check out the next day and a new guest would come in and they would have a similar complaint the next day. Hey, the TV keeps coming on at 10 p.m. and I can't sleep. What's going on here? There's an electric, electrical problem or something like that. So Rodney, it started being less funny and a little more concerning. So Rodney started bringing in new TVs. He took out the old TV in that room and would bring in a new one, plug it in, get it all set up, and another guest would come in. And same same concerns. 10 o'clock, TV would turn on. And it was freaking some guests out so much that they, they actually told Rodney and Gene, hey, this, this room is haunted. There's something not right about this room. You need to do something about it. And, of course, Rodney and Gene hadn't advertised that that room was some, where someone had killed themselves within the past month, so... There's really no way that anyone would know that or that they would have known that other guests had had similar issues. So from Rodney and Gene's perspective, these concerns were pretty valid because the guests had no contact with each other and they were all saying very similar things. So Rodney and Gene ended up having to call help from the church to deal with this issue. So they called in the preacher, who actually did arrive, and did a cleansing of the room, and asked for the spirit of Jack Barnett to leave, uh, to remove himself from the room. And after that cleansing, Rodney and Jean report that there were no more issues and complaints about the TV turning on or anything else paranormal going on in that room. So I guess we can say that the Four Seasons Motel was a haunted motel, but is no longer. Whether or not we believe that these events are actual paranormal events where there's some sort of uh, spirit activity going on due to, the, due to a traumatic death in the room, uh, that's up to you to decide. 
what you believe about that. Um, I find it interesting no matter what, whether or not it's a haunting or if it's merely a coincidence, it's pretty amazing either way. Um, I think it's important to have an open mind about these sorts of things. And um, that's what I intend to do with the uh, podcast is to present mysteries of uh, of all types. And I'll do that with an open mind. Um, and I'm going to let you decide what you think. And um, you can share your thoughts at my um, website, which is rivercitymystery.com. I've actually set up a forum I call The Study. So each episode is going to have its own forum heading there. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I've also got Facebook and Instagram set up, but I kind of just want to base everything off of my website if possible. So we'll see how it goes. I'm also not sure yet how often I'm going to be releasing episodes. I um, do work full time. So this is a hobby. I will never do this to make money or anything like that. So it's not going to be a um, a money-making venture or anything like that. This is just totally 100% a, a hobby of mine. I love, I've always loved mysteries and paranormal things and stuff like that. So the idea of being able to kind of dig into local mysteries and paranormal stuff is just really fun to me. Uh, it's just I'm not quite sure yet how the scheduling is going to work. So I hopefully will be able to have some sort of regular schedule. But since this is early on, I just don't know. I thank you for joining me in the first episode of River City Mystery Podcast. Again, if you'd like to join us uh, at RiverCityMystery.com, check out the forum there and uh, tell us what you think. If you have uh, show topic ideas or information on this particular episode or any other that I may do, feel free to contact me. I've got a contact page on my website, so you can just reach out to me there. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care.